0: Music mm-hmm. Host Will Ferrell? Nope, nope. Bobby
1: Ray? Okay, I'm just gonna make this simple for you. This is no longer Initiative Rule, a Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons. This is now officially Bob Loblaw's Law (laughs) Blog.
0: Did you just say Bob Loblaw's Law (laughs) Blog?
1: That is what I said. That is an arrested development reference for those of you at home. Yeah, because um, there's a character named
0: Bob Blah. Wow, you know, this whole time I thought, how, how many podcasts have we done? Because I, I really am just drawing a blank here. It's an initiative role of Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons, and I'm your host, Logan Johnson. And I'm your Dungeon Master, Nathaniel Johnson. Man, man, what a wild, wild week it's been. How long has it been since we recorded that last episode? <laughs> Two uh, days?
1: <laughs> um, let's see, we re- we actually recorded on Tuesday night, and now it's Saturday night. So. Oh, really? I know, right? <sighs>
0: Well, the time has flown. I guess that's what happens when you're an academic When like you're an me.
1: academic drinking your seltzer water.
0: Oh, man. So much seltzer this week. Pop, pop, fizz, fizz.
1: Feel the bubbles go down?
0: I was going to say what oh, what a relief it is, which is how any normal person would respond to what I just said. But... Dang it.
1: I was, for some reason, I thought you were making me... That's a... whiz, pop, whiz, bang. The oh, you're down.
0: right. You're right.
1: I'm off on my BFG
0: references. M- me and my girl Sophie got it on lockdown, though. Don't worry so about it. Sophie, you
1: remember the characters' names. I'm impressed. Of course. <laughs> The freaking Bafug. The Bafug. <laughs> <laughs> Bafug. Go ahead. I think that's our episode name now. <laughs> the Bafug.
0: The Bafug. Well, hey, we we learned a little bit about ourselves, physically, emotionally. Since the last episode. I think you're making
1: this sound like something it's not.
0: And we learned a lot about uh the way the episodes are paced because our last one was a little bit of a, a pacing disaster. Yeah, it was. And on that note, that's going to be our theme for this week, not pacing your podcasts, but how to make sure your episodes pay your episode. Wow, not pacing your podcasts. How to make sure your Dungeons and Dragons pacing is so right.
1: Right. So, we recently kicked up playing in Greg's campaign again after our after our several week hiatus. From yeah,
0: because we went to your campaign for season,
1: for season one, and now we're on season two of, of Greg's campaign, campaign
0: and Quieting Under the Watch, which is now left Quieting. Yes, and
1: now is in the town of Lundus. and I do want to say the the pacing in his adventures is always super fun, but very different from my pacing. Mine play, my campaign plays more like a hack and slash, I think, and his sure. is very heavy on the role playing.
0: Yeah, he said something really interesting at the end of the adventure today, which is like, oh, well, I'd hope we would have gotten more combat encounters in. Um, And I guess in a lot of ways you can feel that way about one of Greg's adventures, but in a lot of ways I felt like the pacing was really good and that the story was kind of full and rich the entire way through.
1: Yeah, I'm very intrigued as to what's going to happen. And I think one of the inherent difficulties with our group is that we have six players. Sure. It's going to drag a little bit as far as that, just because of how many people we have. And uh,
0: Sure. So we'll recap that just a little bit later on the yeah, episode. Yeah, we will. But let's talk a little bit about pacing in general, how to know when it's right, how to know when it's good, how to know when your characters are just feeling the, the love of the adventure.
1: Yeah. Well, what I like to do, at least as far as grasping pacing... If everybody's laughing and having a good time, I don't need to do anything as the Dungeon Master. I can just sit back and
0: laugh with them. Right, and kind of let it happen.
1: Right. Now, if I was, for whatever reason, recording my episodes and planning to turn them into a podcast or a live play or whatever, I would probably do something to the effect of what the Adventure Zone does and go through and trim them down so that we cut out all of the dead air and sure, other things. the pregnant pauses. The pregnant pauses, which are just a natural part of the game.
0: Yeah, and a natural part of speaking in general. Nobody right. really communicates well without kind of having just a loaded pause somewhere in there. Exactly,
1: exactly. But how do you know when you as the DM need to change something? Is th- that
0: Yeah, I think one of the, the first things that I notice is when a role-playing or event situation is only involving one of your players. Mm, yes. Because while the pacing may be going great for that one player, Nobody else is involved. Absolutely. I don't want to spoil too much about Greg's campaign, but one of the things that happened in this adventure is we had a character make a, uh, I would say, a very topical cosmetic change that was really cool mm-hmm. and was like a really, really big deal for his character and like total, I, I think, a reimagining of the character in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, he shaved the sides of his head to reveal the tattoos that he'd had during his youth as a, in an orc tribe. Right, right. So it was kind of a big deal. He was it was him being more confident with who he was as a player, um, and Greg looped in a couple of other characters into that moment um, because what happened is he, this character shaved and cut his hair and left all of his hair in the community wash bowl. Um, and that was a really interesting moment that made it so that, you know, we had one of the characters go and have to make a constitution saving throw because they thought it was so gross. They puked, next character had to make a constitution saving throw to, like, clean up after everybody. Um, and that's a really, it involved half the party at that point, but it was just this one character's cosmetic change.
1: Right, and that's very much a, uh, a Greg style of doing things, whereas I would have been, like, cool, you made the cosmetic change. And I would have just moved on from there.
0: Right, it's like shaving a haircut, two pence, and also two story beats. Right.
1: (laughs) Um, One of the ways that I look at it and know if things are getting bogged down is I try to look at it as if we were playing a video game. And if in a video game, if you would feel like this is taking way longer than it should, um, for example, I'm trying to think of a, Solid example for this, but say when you go shopping in your typical RPG game. Now, while there may be some haggling and some dialogue that happens there, if you're just picking up basic supplies, you don't want that to be taking up
0: 15 minutes. As the player, right. But if you're trying to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance, fifteen right. minutes is a pretty appropriate length of time. Or
1: if you're trying to buy a house for your party, <laughs> which did come up in this adventure, uh, you, you you're gonna want that to spend some more time. So it's very it's very hit or miss. It's very dependent on what the goal of the players is. If they are just trying to do a quick get in, get out, move on with the adventure, we just need X amount of stuff, let it be that if they are trying to turn it into a role play situation, let it be that.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about what to do as a dungeon master when that kind of thing happens. And what I mean is like, let's say you have an instance with two or three town guards, right? Sure. And your player's like, oh, I wanna talk to them. So what are some tips and tricks you can do to make that pacing feel natural? Sure. And like they're in an open world, as opposed to being like, oh, he doesn't have much to say.
1: Sure. One of the things that I like to do in a situation like that is I like to determine whether or not the guards are friendly or hostile to the players. Okay. That's going to determine a ton about how this plays
0: out. Right. Now, Greg did that in his adventure today. He actually made a quick die roll. Is that something you'd recommend, or do you typically just decide? Um, I typically just decide. However,
1: I think there's a lot of value in die rolls for things like that. So I would just decide, though... If I know, for example, that the city that we're in is hostile to anybody who's not a dwarf, then the guards are immediately going to be hostile to the party, almost guaranteed, just because the odds of the party being made up of only dwarves is pretty slim. Sure. And so having that kind of background knowledge, or if the heroes have recently done something to kind of save the city's bacon, the guards are probably going to be friendly towards them. And having those kinds of split decisions helps. So if a player starts to try to talk to a guard, I guess it depends on what they're trying to do. Is their motivation, hey, I'm the bard who just wants to steal the show and be the funny guy? Sure.
0: Or am I trying to... I've never met a bard player like that, though.
1: Interesting. Um, I'm
0: ne- I've never personally met one. Interesting. <laughs> I've um... been one. <laughs> 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 but I never <laughs> met one. Uh, you are the bard.
1: Um, but if they're trying to, on the other hand, get information about what's going on in the city from the guard, I think that it's very valuable to be able to ask questions to the guard and kind of develop a, a rapport and a working relationship. Sure.
0: So how far do you take that? Would you go so as far as to you know, make the guard a recurring character, or would you go so far as to kind of just leave it at that? Which do you think flows better for pacing?
1: Um, yes. Mm. It, mm. Let's talk about Captain Dormel. Captain Dormel was in my Eberron campaign. Okay. And he was the captain of the police in the area oh, of Oh, yeah, I
0: remember him. Sure. You do? Yeah, because he's the guy that I first cast Charm Person on. Oh, I yeah. I ran. him. And oh, you yeah. ran that just the first adventure of that campaign for me and, and our brothers, remember? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I forgot about that. I charmed that, but... that guy hard.
1: Yeah. So I did not intend to make Captain Dormel a recurring character. Sure. I just kind of gave him a gruff dwarf personality who is a little overworked and a little... Underpaid. <laughs> um, Not necessarily underpaid, but definitely overworked and doesn't have enough resources to do his job. Sure. And desperately wants to. And so anytime that... Anytime citizens step up to do anything, which includes adventurers, of course, he's both grateful and really hopes they don't do it again because they'll probably get killed, and he'll have to clean up the bodies. Expelled or worse, expelled from uh, the Magical University of Sharn. Go mus mus
0: mus mus. Magical University of Sharn. Go mus. They've got to have a mascot. The mighty Utah student section. Yeah, I know. Okay. (laughs) What's the What's the mascot for the Sharn, University.
1: So this is embarrassing. I'm not sure.
0: Okay, I've selected a mascot. Oh, okay. Do you remember that episode of The Office where they do Michael Scott's play Threat Level Midnight? Yes. So he plays Michael Scott is the lead, and he plays a character named Michael Scarn. Right. So they're the Sharn Scarns.
1: There's the Sharn Scarns
0: at musk I love
1: that. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, we may have to bring that and up next their, episode.
0: Their rivals, the Golden Faces. Their <laughs> rivals are the Golden Faces. I'm loving everything about this. <laughs> and I can already see the football game. All right, tonight's game, the Sharn Scarns will face off against the Eberron Golden Faces. <laughs> but before the game begins, we have a brief show from your Sharn Bachelorettes. And those of you who have seen that episode of The Office know that that was a really, really good pull for the cheerleaders. That is, a,
1: that is a great episode of The Office. Why are you guys talking to me? I haven't worked there in years.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. oh, man. Michael Skarn, Threat Level Midnight. Threat Level Midnight. That may be my favorite episode of The Office. It's
0: pretty good. It's pretty
1: good. It's one of those that you don't actually have to know the characters and you can jump in pretty well and watch it.
0: The other thing that's nice about it is, like, often the office can be culturally or racially... Fairly insensitive, which is part of the point of the show, right? 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 It's it's intentionally cringy, right? But that episode's like super not that way. It's cringy for other reasons. It's cringy because it, anybody who has ever been roped into something that their boss wants to do that is such a bad idea, it's but is relatively harmless. Yeah, it's yeah. cringy. It's cringy. Oh,
1: I guess I did let him be an android. Hmm. Forgot about that. I feel like we drifted off the track just a little. So, bit Captain here. Dormel uh and i just you know i kind of give him this basic personality well one of the players he was really 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 concerned with building good relationships with npcs and anytime we met a new npc he would go out of his way to build rapport with this npc and captain dormel was the first npc that they really ran into and uh so that's what tipped me off to, oh it Whether I want it to be or not, it's going to be this kind of campaign, Uh, which I think it actually worked out really well that it was. And so I started having to write extra information. And when I say write, uh, some of it was just in my head. Some of it was physically written down. It was just, you know, case by case, extra information about Dormel. And uh, one of the things that I ended up deciding is he was willing, after they convinced him, to basically throw them odd jobs in the city. Oh, gotcha. Kind of, kind of a Batman Commissioner Gordon. Right, like peacekeeping or like sleuthing? Sleuthing. Ah, nice. So very much a Batman-Jim Gordon relationship, which I thought worked really well for
0: that campaign. Well, yeah, because it makes the world have depth, right? Like a lot of people criticize open world games for the sheer amount of side missions they have. Right. right? Like nobody wants to go gather X spring water in, for the trillionth time in World of Warcraft or Skyrim.
1: Right. right? It's a big problem
0: and I definitely agree with that concern. Um, But having side missions gives the world depth, right? The fact of the matter is, nobody wants to gather spring water in Skyrim, but nobody freaking wants to get up and go to work either. The reason people hate that aspect of Skyrim is because it's just a little too real. Right, Um, on the other hand, let's briefly talk about side missions
1: because I have been playing the uh, Arkham Trilogy for uh, PlayStation 4
0: recently. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just totally pretend Origins doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend and Black Origins. Gate, don't even talk about that. There's a Blackgate game? Huh. Arkham Origins, Blackgate. That's the whole... It's, it's for the Nintendo uh, 3DS. Oof. Oof. You're kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you how much I wish I was. Jeez.
1: Um, because I've loved all three games so far. Granted, I'm not done with the third one yet. You also skipped Origins. <laughs> Um, yep, we're not talking about origins. Wait,
0: have you? But you've done most of the open world stuff in the third one,
1: right? I I literally have nine Riddler trophies left. So,
0: so here's my question.
1: And there's over two hundred of those.
0: This, this is not a video game podcast. That's my other podcast.
1: Yes, it is. But quick pitch for that odious beast gaming.
0: Yeah, if if video games are more your flavor, uh, give that one a, a listen. Me and my buddy Jonathan Nielsen dissect uh, some video games. The
1: way you said that, you made it sound like his name was Jonathan Nielsen dissect. <laughs>
0: It's a hyphen. <laughs> it's a hyphen. He's this play right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so the what I was going to say is this is this is not that podcast, but let's let's discuss it real quick cuz I'm curious. I asked about the pacing in that game, which actually relates a fair bit to what we're discussing Right, here. and that's why I want to bring it up. How with only 9 Riddler trophies, how far upgraded is Batman?
1: He's not. I this was actually really frustrating. I'm going to talk about this as a frustration okay. I had. So, But before I talk about the frustration, let me lay out the game just so that people who aren't familiar with it can follow it. So there's the main quest, which without saying anything else about the game, I'm just going to say Scarecrow is essentially holding the city hostage. Most people have evacuated except for cops and thugs and crime bosses like Penguin and Two-Face and so on. Um, And the main game is going after Scarecrow and the people working with Scarecrow. And... You can keep track of the missions you've got. And there are, I believe, a total of 15 missions in the game. The main one being the Scarecrow one. One of them being going after Riddler. Another one being going after Two-Face. So on and so so forth. forth. And almost every single one of these missions directly correlates with some famous Batman baddie. Um, But what's kind of cool is every so often in the game, they will... You will be dependent on one of your allies to figure out some piece of information so for instance you might need uh you might need alfred to be figuring something out with the back computer while you're going around gotham doing what you're doing and with being dependent on that they will occasionally say well while we're doing this why don't you take care of some of these other problems that we're aware of like going and rescue the captured firemen or going and taking down penguins, crews, or whatever. And so you were specifically given time where the only thing you can realistically do to progress the game is these side missions. And it's kind of cool because then you get to really feel like the world has depth, but they don't tell you which side missions to do. Just after you've done enough of extra side mission stuff, the game will let you progress in the main storyline. Now, that's kind of a weird. It is a weird mechanic, but I like it. Because there are a lot of things to do. And it's very easy to progress just a little bit in these side missions. Like some of them, yeah, they're really hard. For example, rescuing all of the fire crew, there's like 17 firemen scattered throughout the city who are being held in various places with large crews of thugs guarding them, but you don't know the exact location and
0: you have to find it and blah, blah, blah. It sounds like a toned down version, or maybe to be a little more accurate, an older version of Marvel's Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, which just probably
0: for the PlayStation 4, where there's tons and tons of side mission content. The only difference is that game doesn't require you to complete side mission content before progressing your main narrative. Yeah, and
1: Arkham City, the previous game, didn't require it either. You had it there, but you didn't have to mm-hmm. go complete it. Um, but in Arkham Knight, the third one, you do have to complete some stuff to move forward. And... What's kind of interesting about that is you get this chance to explore the world, and they've made it so that, let's say you're not terribly great at these side missions, there's enough of them that are easy enough that you can move them far enough to keep going. Now, I set a personal goal to actually do all the side missions before finishing the main game, and I've got one side mission left, and this brings me to my frustration, and it is Riddler. Okay. Um, Now, the Riddler section is broken up into two halves. He's got a bunch of specific, very difficult challenges, though very enjoyable, like, oh, you've got to race the Batmobile through this death maze in this much time. Sure. Um, Or you've got to work with Catwoman, who he's holding hostage, in this way. But then, at the very end of it, he's like, well, if you really want to take me down, you need to get all 243 Riddler trophies I've scattered throughout Gotham.
0: Wait, hold on. Hold on. Okay, for those of you, I'm going to reveal a little bit of... uh, I'm going to show you the man behind the curtain here a little bit. A little while ago, I gave Nathaniel kind of a, a like, let's speed this up. This is not that podcast sign. As he was kind of going into more depth about this game. But this I've got to pause on because you're telling me... The Riddler's like, ah, riddle me this. And then he's like, if you collect all 243 of my (laughs) Christmas ornaments, I will stop terrorizing the city. No, no, then you get the chance to fight him. (laughs)
1: no joke that he tells you that that's straight up what the reward is
0: so let me get this straight batman is not fighting the riddler presumably because he can't find him
1: uh riddler has locked himself off in a place that batman can't get to i know exactly where it is it's underneath the orphanage um the abandoned orphanage
0: So, so you're telling me that it's easier for batman to go around Gotham picking up 243 snowballs. Basically. In order to get into the basement of an orphanage. The guy with a Batmobile that is pretty much a tank. Oh yeah, you can turn it into a tank. It's so fun. That's what I'm saying. The guy with a Batmobile tank can't get into the basement of
1: an orphanage? Yes. That's, the, that's, that's the logic we're going with here. And this is part of
0: what I want to complain about. It throws the pacing off so horribly. Bad. But I think, I mean, we we made this the Arkham Knight cast for a little bit there. We did. But the point I think that you're trying to make is you don't want to get so bogged down in side content that you're required to do so much side content before the main story progresses. Right. right. So, for example, you as a dungeon master should never say, oh, I'm going to bank on them talking to some guards, and those will be the NPCs I use. Right. right. never do that. Because the difficulty is then you kind of have to shoehorn them into side content that nobody wants. Right. Right? Um, And so the most important thing, I think, is to, to kind of stay light on your toes, look for opportunities. One of the best things I think you can do is to look for an opportunity where the NPCs that you have can fill existing roles. So let's say you've created, oh, Darius, Captain of the Guard, Right and they start talking to a guard, well, that guard can be Darius, captain of the guard, right? You can just slip him in. Right. Right. Or or say like, let's say you have Chicken Brian, who's like known for his record-breaking chicken nugget eating skills. Okay. Um, For Just (laughs) pounding those dank nugs. Um, Let's say you have him, right? Mm -hmm. And they start talking to the innkeeper. Well, why can't the innkeeper be the chicken nugget record holder? Right? Right. Like, why can't you just use existing NPCs there? That'll improve the pacing because then you won't have to worry about introduction scenes for those NPCs. Right. Right. Um, I want to give a brief
1: shout out to the show Critical Role, um, which I actually haven't listened to very much. I don't listen to a lot of live play stuff. Um, It's just not up my alley to listen to that stuff for some reason, even though I think it's very high quality most of the time. Mm
0: But I did. Adventure th- Zone.
1: What? <laughs> the Adventure Zone. The no, Adventure but Adventure Zone. I, I want to listen to both of these shows. Um, just maybe I'll get around one. To one is able. a lot shorter than the other. One is a lot
0: shorter than the other. And Friends at the Table. Oh man, you'd like Friends at the Table. To... I... Anyone anyway, I've heard, I, it's very good.
1: Huh. Well, there you go. For those of you at home, there's three shows we just recommended: Critical Role, Adventure Zone, and Friends at the Table.
0: I, I like the Adventure Zone the best, but um, it's so much my flavor. So
1: sure. Um, But in Critical Role, the DM, Matt Mercer, he does something that I, granted, only having listened to, like, two halves of episodes, I think is the normal thing for him to do. The players are specifically looking for information in this dwarven city, and they go to the inn, and they ask the innkeeper, do you know, I don't remember the exact question, but it's like, do you know anyone who could give us some information on this? And the innkeeper is like, oh, well, we have this person right here who just so happens to be a semi-local hero kind of person, but, like, they're, lo- they're a sure, local hero for he's their... he's fairly uh, local. He's been around. Right, but they're, lo- they're a local hero for their brewery skills. Like, he's just a famous brewmaster in the area who just happens to have a ton of information. Now, I
0: think... What would his name be? Mortimer
1: Brewster? No, I can't remember. <laughs> Though funny. I um, keep cuts. <laughs> he was a dwarf, so I don't think he would have a name that on on the nose in that <laughs> so way. so
0: on the nose. Um, <laughs> so far on the nose, it's actually off the nose and on the nose of the rest of the population. Right, right. Um, but anyway, I think this was a character
1: that Matt Mercer had already created and just said, I will just insert him as it makes sense.
0: Chimichanga Brewskies. Chimich- Chimichanga Brewskies.
1: That's the name of your- That's uh, such a good name. No, it's not. <laughs> Um, but I think that's what he did is he just said we have this character and as soon as the players try to find this sort of information I will insert him in some way So it because he kind of acts as a linchpin character in some ways Okay, and if you need a linchpin character to move the story forward Do what you said and insert them where make where it makes sense if the players specifically ask for somebody like that help them find it or um, Have them run
0: into them Gotcha, gotcha Okay, well perfect. I mean, obviously we got a little bogged down in, in Arkham Knight we there, did. but I think the point is pretty clear and, and I think we've hit some good good talking points for as far as pacing. Again, I think the most important thing that you can do when it comes to pacing is to make sure that what you've designed as a dungeon master first doesn't get in the way. Yep. And then the second thing is to look for places where what you've designed can fill holes that the players are creating in the narrative. Right. I um, mean, if you do that, you should have a pretty well paced adventure and again to herald back to the very first point we made try to involve all players in all things whenever possible always Um, and that'll have your pacing nice and on fleek yes it will I got my college slang down huh yeah you do or is that yeah that's not outdated right people are still saying on fleek um I don't know over the horizon and they've only got one thing to say give ear it's time for the beggar's corner
1: I have to say sometimes your uh, your transitions into that they're super weird
0: look well here's the thing birds birds are so in in 2019 All right. you sound
1: like as my squalor please keep we got, going we got
0: bird box we got big bird who's we got birds really by
1: Alfred it. Hitchcock
0: okay that no, it's no. n- not back in vogue. It's not making a big comeback in 2019. I don't know, maybe it is. <laughs> it's... Maybe it is. How, how, how out of touch with your, like how out of touch with internet culture are you that you can just say, maybe this is a trend? I don't know. Most like, of my internet culture comes from Pinterest, so. But you know about Bird Box. We Only because of Pinterest. That's what I'm saying. We can't deny that Bird Box is in. Big Bird, he's always... Perennial, he's popping in and out. Always. Um, Plenty of great memes with him. People are... What did you say?
1: They're pretty... That's what I said. Oh,
0: okay. Gotcha. I thought you had said something like, there are plenty of raves with him. No, plenty of great memes. Okay. Um, You've got the... People are still flipping people the bird, I imagine. Probably. Yeah, I don't think that's changed. I'm pretty sure I have that
1: happen to me on a daily basis while driving here in this wonderful city of ours.
0: This is my economy and environment pitch take transit i've been thinking about it everything in transit jack's mannequin (laughs) um man that's a good album look it up peeps we're in the beggar's corner we're in the beggar's corner um this is the part of the show where we talk about what's going on um our projects what we're looking at um i think i do want to put something up on our blog okay a file I want to. I think we should put our character sheets up from Greg's campaign. Oh sure, just I so think people who cool. are interested. I have an illustration of my character. Uh, maybe I'll throw that up there too. Yeah. it's bad. I drew it in five minutes, but it's it's an illustration. Um,
1: my wife made one for me, and I'm oh, definitely yeah, gonna throw right. that up yours is once way it's colored. Better. Well, it's it's kind of cool. We need to color it in still, but it's a yeah. it's a cool little sketch. Yeah, no, yours is way cooler. So.
0: So we'll. I don't know. Yours is wearing a Nirvana t-shirt. So. That's true. Only in the headcanon, though. Only in the head <laughs> There's head no canon. indication that it's wearing a Nirvana shirt. Um, uh, but yeah, so we'll put up things like that. Like if we have got character sheets or, or adventures we've written and we've planned. Yeah. Um, the other thing we do in The Beggar's Corner, is we talk about how you can get a hold of us. Yes. Um, So that's at our email, which is Initiative Role, R-O-L-E. You should know it by now, unless you're joining us for the first time. In which case, hello. (laughs) Hello from the other side. (laughs) Um, The other side of the podcast medium, I guess. Um, Man, I'm just thinking about the ramifications of that, because if Adele... Okay, so if you can say hello from the other side of, say, the headphones, right? Sure. Like... But then Adele was in a recording studio, which you recorded Hello from the Other Side. So that's Hello from the Other Side from the Other Side. Huh. Meta. Yeah, I know. That's pretty woke, right? Yeah. Stay We're... woke, kids. It's 2019. Um, you never know when you're going to need
1: it. Huh. Well, and as always, we do post these episodes on our blog along with the resources.
0: Did I ever say our email? Um, Initiative R-O-L-E at gmail.com. Did I say that?
1: I don't know, but you did now. Okay, great. Um, and as for our blog, it's initiative-role.blogspot.com. I did it right the first time.
0: That's that's a speed dating first. That's <laughs> a speed dating first. A 100% match. Wow, that's such a weird pull for me to make at this moment. That yeah, is. If somebody got that reference, tweet at me. Yeah, uh, please do. I We're going to get the show up on Twitter. I'm probably going to put the links to that as well as to our Personal accounts. You don't have one, do you? I do not have a personal Twitter. Okay. Well, I'll put my Twitter up there. If you make one by then, I'll throw yours on there too.
1: Um, I may or may not. Uh, and if I do, I'm not sure that I want my personal one attached to this, but it right, might not hurt. I don't fine. know. I don't know. I'll it's have all about to building a brand for me. So, mm.
0: right. Uh, speaking of building a brand, we talked about it just briefly earlier in this show, but I have another podcast. You do. Uh, this one is kind of looking like it's going to be an, a bi weekly venture. This is me and my friend Jonathan Nielsen. Uh, we, our podcast is called That Odious Beast Gaming, <laughs> which I think the title alone reflects how skeptical we are about overall gaming culture. Which is funny because the two of you play more video games than anybody else I know. Oh, yeah. Combined, I mean, last year. Last year, I think Jonathan played 38
1: games in total. Like but he also completion. clocked
0: like 700 hours into PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds last year. PUBG, for those of which you at home. Which is insane.
1: Yeah, when you start thinking about like 700 hours because... Um, Wow, because if you work full-time every week of the year, you're you're pulling 2,000 hours right.
0: full-time. So, and I had That like was a, like a part-time job for him. Yeah, I had a list of like 20 games, but I, I pull a lot of indie titles and a lot of deeper cuts. Which
1: are closer to 5 to 10 hours.
0: Um, we talk about problems in the industry. We talk about what games we are playing right now, what we love, whether it's old or new, kind of yeah. free of context. We analyze them critically. We have a great piece in our most recent episode about Battlefield 5's war story, The Last Tiger, which, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's a disaster and a half. I need to listen to the most uh, recent episode. Yeah, the the premise is that in the last Tiger, you play as a, it's kind of like a Nazi redemption story almost, like huh. a, a questioning Nazi, and it is not handled well. Oof. they whitewash the Nazis pretty bad, Ugh. and that's anyway. Anyway, give Wait. it a listen if that's. I'm sorry. What do you mean by whitewash? They sanitize. Just, Oh. As far as Battlefield Five is concerned, and this is a point that I make and that Jonathan agrees with, as far as Battlefield Five is concerned, the Nazis were just generic bad guys. They didn't kill anybody. Like There was no Holocaust. I, th- that's not mentioned in text, right? It's kind of like the, the developers over at DICE and EA decided, hey, you know what Nazis are, so we don't really have to talk about it. Interesting. But the problem is that when you get into some of these more problematic war stories— that ends up being totally flavorless and a little tone deaf. Um, yeah. Anyway, if that if that kind of games criticism and analysis interests you, go ahead and check out that odious beast gaming.
1: So, would it be fair to say this episode is sponsored by
0: that odious beast? Game? I mean, I think on a technicality. Um, the other thing too about that odious beast gaming is uh, while it's a little more niche, and uh, I think what Jonathan and I have kind of gone for is our goal is to not be another dude bro podcast. Sure. I, um, and so again, if that's your flavor, if that if you're looking for kind of thoughtful criticisms, um, a kind of a, a set of fresh eyes on games new, old, and and in between, uh, go ahead and, and give it a check out. Like I said, it's probably gonna be on a bi-weekly release schedule. so feel free. Awesome, Awesome. Well,
1: like I said, like we've said, you know how to contact us. Our sponsor is That Odious Beast Gaming. <laughs> uh, one more thing, a small little tip from uh, Dungeon Master Nathaniel here. If you are making a character sheet for somebody or you want to have good character reference material, I have used the Home Brewery to put any and all important leveling information and special abilities that a person gets all onto one sheet of paper. And we'll be including that link on the blog on so the you blog? can look okay. at that. As how to do that. I find it's very useful for whenever I'm playing a wizard and there's a ton of abilities and spells that I just, I don't remember everything. Sure. Um, as for this week's dedication, uh, I want to give a shout out to somebody that I really admire and respect in the Dungeons and Dragons community. Uh, Matt Colville. He runs a channel on YouTube and has recently kicked up his own company that makes D&D supplement
0: material. Oh man, he's the guy who does the Twitch streams, right? Right, right. Right. So Matt Colville, I've, I'm familiar with a little bit of his work. He's just, uh, as far as breaking things down for Dungeon Masters, he's really talented. He really and is. And I, I almost hate to mention him on this podcast. <laughs> because, because that's what we're trying to right, do. Right. He, he, but honestly, he, he's very good at what he does. And so if you've been listening to this podcast and you think, you know, either I could use a little bit more in this vein, or if video is more your thing, maybe mm-hmm. you're not quite feeling it on the audio medium, obviously we... We'd love it if you'd keep listening to our cast, but Matt Coville does excellent video work that covers similar Yes. Things.
1: And what's kind of nice about him is if you are in the podcast vein, I typically listen to his videos more than I actually watch them. Though he's very expressive sure. and fun to watch. Yeah, he is. Um, he's, he's very descriptive in such a way that you don't have to be watching him.
0: So, hold on, hold on. I just want to point out what we've done here. This this week's beggar's corner. Here, <laughs> hey, go listen to my other podcast and stop listening to this one. <laughs> no, that's not that's not at all what we
1: want to do. We do want you to keep listening and we also want to make a pitch for you guys to send in any of your questions, stories, anything that you've got there. Yeah. Cuz I mean, we'd love we'd love to talk about your
0: your experiences with the game. Yeah, and thankfully, obviously we don't <laughs> the flow of this show is not Dependent on that because fortunately things have been a little slow here at the start, which I think is to be expected. I think so too. Um, but yeah, if you're hearing this and you love the show and you're interested in, in having something shared, go ahead and send it over. We'd love to pass it along. Yeah. bard and now let me talk to you about the bard all right bards are the heralds of stories okay right? they give us valuable things like songs like music like juggling like dance like the guy who sleeps in the inn for free trope but most importantly they bring us our adventure recaps um and that's where we are now so have a seat by the fire and let little bardie the bard Tell you a story. Now, are we going to rename this? Word? I don't think we want to call it Adventure Recap anymore. Don't we want to call it the Bard Corner? That's kind of what I was digging at, yeah. Yeah, it's the Bard Corner. The Bard's Corner. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is kind of like, for those of you who are worried, I guess is what I want to just assuage some fears here. For those of you who are worried that now, by saying Adventure Recap, you're going to end up in some kind of like dystopian nocturne alley, don't worry. You can still climb into your fireplace. You can still say Adventure Recap, and you'll be redirected right here to the Bard's Corner. Same place, same name, same bold taste. New wow. look. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yep, it's the Bard's Corner now. Can you tell I worked a marketing job?
1: <laughs> yeah, I can.
0: Wow, that's No. Uh...
1: Oh, Is that really man. what you had to do there?
0: Yeah, totally. You When you go through a rebrand, you huh. can... I've already had to update all of the... Search words, keys words, the the word, my old boss would be so mad at me right now. (laughs) I've already had to do the search engine optimization from it to go to Adventure Recap to Bard's Corner, so here we are. Well, all right then. So it's
1: the the Bard's Corner. Um, Let's talk about the adventure we actually had today that Greg kicked
0: off. Yeah, so as of today, which I think is like Saturday the 12th, right? I think that's the right day. I just looked at the date. I don't know why I asked for confirmation. Oh, yeah, you got the, the almighty AI telling you. Well, I mean, something like that. I won't make a shameless plug for which technology I'm wearing on my wrist right now, but I will tell you it's the best one. Do with that information what you will.
1: I'll also say that people who say it's the best one also tend to be... Uh, Rich. Uh, that's not the word I was going to use. Um I was going
0: to use the word um, snobbish. So let me tell you something. Uh, For those of you who can't tell I'm wearing an Apple watch, (laughs) I think Nathaniel made that apparently inherently clear. Um, One interesting distinction I've noticed, now this this is not only, this is not the fault of Apple, nor is it the fault of Microsoft, actually, not what I meant. This is not the fault of individual people. This is the fault of Apple and Microsoft. The way that they've advertised and the way they've marketed their product, Apple's is very much, I mean, from the Macintosh commercials with Big Brother, Apple products have been, the marketing has been about standing out. If you watch Microsoft commercials, they're all about diversity and they're all about blending in. Speaking generally, people who want to stand out get Apple products, and people who want to feel part of a larger whole get Microsoft or Android.
1: It's very interesting
0: psychology about that. Anyway, um, but yeah so that's totally unrelated it is january the 12th and today we went on a sweet sweet adventure yeah we did
1: uh this was the beginning of season two of greg's campaign now just as a quick recovering of this for people who are unaware, Greg and I switch off with our little group DMing. We do a couple of adventures for maybe two or three months, and then we switch to the other person, and we discuss when we're going to switch beforehand so that we're both prepared with our stuff. And this helps us prevent DM burnout. And we try to do it so that narratively, it's at the beginning and end of what you would consider a season in a TV show.
0: Right. So this season kicked off with us heading into the capital city that Greg had designed, which is called Lundis. I don't think it's even the capital. I I think it's like a regional capital. Maybe. It's regional at best.
1: We'll have to ask him and get some clarification
0: on that. Man, there's going to be somebody who listens to our podcast one day, and they're just going to hear, and they're going to understand how many 21 Pilots deep pulls I've made just in this episode alone, and somebody's going to be very happy. (laughs) Um, but So there we are in Londis. All the characters are totally healthy, right? That's how this one kicked off? No, that is
1: not how this one kicked off. Uh, Logan's character, the Tiefling Bard Excellence. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Tieflings typically have a name, and then they have a different name, and their different name tends to be some sort of attribute. That they are aspiring toward.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, typically. Or that they've attained in the case of excellence. <laughs> oh, right, right,
1: right. Uh, so my Tiefling Wizard, his name is Fear. Um For the same reason I like to think. He's such a tryhard. He is. Uh, I'd like to think his name is Fear for the same reason that Batman is Batman. It's time that my enemies knew what
0: I was afraid of. And it's like, beg pardon what, Batman? (laughs) Dang it, Christian Bale. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know what the problem is? The problem is that that was Christian Bale Batman. There are some actors who could have just said that. Just been like, I'm Batman so that they know what I'm afraid of. And everybody would have been like, "Oh yeah, totally, that makes sense." And then it, it didn't we, even make sense when you said it. But please keep it going. It would have been like ninety hours later that people would have been like, "Hey, wait, wait."
1: No, you know what it would have been like? There is a movie that that actually happened in that somebody said a line, and everybody in the theater was like,
0: "Oh yeah!" But it then was, afterwards, it was everybody Transformers, was Transformers when no. Optimus Prime said, "Sam Witwicky," <laughs> <laughs> and Shia Buff was like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> no, it was
1: in the original Avengers movie when. Uh, when they're at the Battle of New York and it's the very, very beginning of the battle and that massive space whale Jatari thing is coming through and uh, Bruce Banner's standing there and he's the one closest to it. And they're all like, we could use the big guy right now, like, you know, whatever your secret is. And if you could get mad now, that'd be great. And he just turns and he says, that's my secret, I'm I'm always angry. angry. (laughs) And he just turns into the Hulk and it's super cool and it's like everybody cheers. And then like 72 hours later, you're like,
0: what? (laughs) What does that mean, I'm always angry? It's the delivery. (laughs) Right. right? It's the way that he says it that's, like, so profound.
1: Well, that and on top of the Hulk transformation and the cool cinematography style they did it, and he just goes and wrecks on this whale thing, and everybody's like, yeah. Right. Because we've been waiting for Hulk for, like, an hour and a half now. It's
0: so funny because I have his face in my head. I can tell you a list of films the guy was in but I cannot tell you a first or last name of the guy who plays Bruce Banner. Mark Ruffalo. That's right, the <laughs> Gruffalo. <laughs> Man, I freaking love <laughs> Is he actually the Gruffalo?
1: Please say no. <laughs> He's got to be, right? So um, I ask that because Family Guy, of all things, made a joke about that one time. Wait, hold on, hold
0: on. You're telling me that Family Guy made an actor-related wordplay... No. I know. Tell me more. <laughs> I know, but... Uh, that would be like if like Family Guy were to put like Rush Limbaugh in an episode or something. <laughs> hey, guys. They've put Rush Limbaugh. Or was that South Park? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Probably both.
1: I don't know. But anyway, the uh, the joke was something like this. They're sitting around the TV watching, and they're like, starring Mark Ruffalo and Sarah Gruffles in The Gruffle ruffalo <laughs> And the mom's just like, ugh, turn that off. I don't even want to know what that is. <laughs>
0: That's so good.
1: <laughs> I wish I could remember the exact joke, but there you are. Um, we're seven minutes into this section of the uh, into the, <laughs> the adventure recap, and we haven't even talked about the Bard's Corner. Oh yeah, excuse we're me. We're rebranding. Remember the Bard's Corner, and um, we haven't even talked about the adventure.
0: Um, so yeah, we show up and excellence is down with a snake bite. There was a snake in his boot. It was a real pity.
1: And that's how the last season
0: ended. Um, and that was pretty much Greg's first order of business was actually to resolve that, which was so nice. Which was a great call. I couldn't, mind. I couldn't keep myself from participating, which as we, we got a little bit of information from a tiefling medicine man who was living outside the city. Because tieflings were slowly being legally kicked out of the city. Right. Um, and so as, as, as. T- as Excellence laid there on his fever bed he kept making comments and by he I mean I and I, I can't restrain myself <laughs> Sure, like so, but some of them I felt like were pretty good like when he introduced the other tiefling who I'm sure will be a major player later I hope so um, Charm, who is a tiefling with both of his horns cut off
1: yes, um, interestingly enough Fear noticed, because he's the one horned tiefling that it was cut off in the same style that his horn was cut off
0: right. which means the some very guy, significant right? They're the same organization.
1: Right, the same organization for the same purposes, which nobody in the party knows how I lost my horn yet. Right. Um, They just assume that it has to
0: do with my slave days. So there were a couple of jokes about the horniest tiefling, which would be excellence. Um, Uh. There were a couple of jokes made. Like as I'm laying there, as my character's laying there in his, his fever dreams, he says, Fear, fear, is charm prettier than me? Like, tell me, because Excellence is very much a, a, an outgoing pretty boy, right? And so he's like, I've got to know. I've got to know. Is he better looking? And then Greg takes that in stride, right? And he's like, this incredibly good-looking tiefling <laughs> turns and faces you. And I'm like, oh, no. I can feel it. I can feel this. I can feel the gaze. He's better looking. right? They talk about how this other tiefling has played at inns and stuff. It's like traveled the local circuit. It's so great. Um, it's so great. Anyway, so so there was a little bit of time spent there before we decided to head into the city.
1: Yeah, and once we did decide to head into the city, I, go, I went ahead and I cast a disguised self on my yeah, character, and I made myself into a nobleman uh, named Lord Tertius, who I need to make like a patent of nobility and everything for, but I know tiefling are not well liked in this city because it's run by the Empire, and so I want to, whenever I'm out in public, and I think it's important to be disguised as Lord Tertius, um, who only wears clothing that is slightly out of date for the fashions of the nobility <laughs> of the empire. Hotman?
0: Hotman? Yeah,
1: for Hot those of you man. who've seen Average Like <laughs> the Last Airbender, I definitely was going with that vibe. Play me good sir. Blame me Sokka,
0: you can take the beard off. No, I can't. It's permanently glued to my face. <laughs> I'm Ray Fire. This is my wife, Sapphire. Sapphire Fire, pleased to meet you. <laughs> it's too good obviously we are also major fans of Avatar The Last Airbender also if you don't like The Dragon Prince tweet at me we're gonna go down The Dragon Prince is the best it's not as good as Avatar The Last Airbender but it's like pretty dang close it's pretty good particularly for just one season so far if you disagree seriously at me I will make a pariah of you on Twitter (laughs) back to the Bard's Corner Um, (laughs) that's my favorite Robbers and Mecha's film the Bard's Corner. Back to the Bard's Corner. Back to the Bard's Like, back to the future. <laughs> Got re- it. And Return to Bard's Corner is my favorite Kenny Loggins song. <laughs> you two, okay? You those, doing all right? Those, I drink a little bit too much of the comedy juice playing Excellence tonight. That's fair. Yeah. So, anyway, we go to the city, and I, I fill, fill in on what happened there. Yeah, so... The important story
1: beats are that we got robbed by uh, some street urchins and the party split up immediately when that happened. Uh, Some of them went to chase down the street urchins, but my wife's character, Lara Dove and I, we uh, we went and chased down some different urchins because turns out her character grew up on the streets and so knows a lot of urchins and at least, you know, can go back and forth with them and spent
0: some time living. Yeah, because she's not that old, right? She's like 18
1: or so. Yeah, she's not very old at all. And she's told me a lot of things that are crafted about her character's backstory, and most of them have to do with her growing up on the streets. And uh, so she found another urchin, and she's like, hey, dude, one of your buddies stole some of my friend's gold. I don't think he understands that, you know, I'm one of them, and they're with me, and so... And so we got that resolved, but our fighter in the group, the one with the orc tattoos on his head, uh, had k- had tackled one of these children. <laughs> the fighter with the orc tattoo is my favorite Stieg Larson novel. The fighter with the orc tattoo has tackled one of these children and is holding him at dagger point. When an- another person who is a dark elf holds him at dagger point from behind and basically tells him to let the kid go. go. Lara Dove and Fear show up on the scene and everything gets resolved and all the materials that got stolen by the urchins, including, like, one of my spell books, uh,
0: gets returned to us. I love this because... This is effectively the Russian nesting doll of confrontation, like de-escalation. <laughs> yeah. Because what happens is you've got the fighter with a knife to somebody's throat, like, oh, come on, guys, let's not get nasty. Let's give the, the money back. And then the guy comes up with a knife to his throat. It's like, let's not get nasty. Let the kid go. And then Lara Dov comes in and he's like, let's not get <laughs> nasty. Everybody. Let everyone go. Everybody go. So, yeah, you have that, that exact same phrase said like three times. And then Excellence is just on the corner singing, Miss Jackson, are you nasty? And everyone's like, all right. Um, other than that,
1: uh, we got everything back, made a contact with uh, the. He seems to be the leader of the Thieves Guild. Yeah. And it seems like it. And uh, who there's the a Blackbird. The Blackbird, who there's a major bounty out for. And I really like that we got to meet the Blackbird so early on. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, I
0: think there's going to be definitely some cool things that Greg will be able to do as a result of that, right? Yeah, because before
1: we met the Blackbird, he built up that this was a character in the city that was wanted. Yeah.
0: The other thing, too, is this might not be directly the Blackbird. Maybe just it somebody might not close, right? right? I think it's the Blackbird. <laughs> it would be so rad if it was. I, I think it is, but it might not be. You might be, right? I'm just holding out hope that the Blackbird is wearing like a black... Plague Mask. Oh, that'd be so like cool. Like freaking Scipio off the Thief well, Lord. Well, because he'd be a dark elf too, so he's like... Is it Scipio or Scipio? I don't know. The city in Utah is pronounced Scipio. I don't know. But in the Thief Lord movie, which is not a good source, they called him Scipio. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, if Cornelia Funk, longtime listener, tweet me with how to pronounce your character's name. Uh, um...
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting to think about. Uh, but anyway, we meet who's presumably the blackbird.
0: <laughs> you sounded so profoundly <laughs> bored. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about there, bud. Now back to the narrative.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I just, I guess I'm not all that interested in the Thief Lord right now. I don't know.
0: <laughs> anyway, we've we've the, been doing this uh, Bard's Corner for 15 minutes now. <laughs> dang it. Uh, oh, I already made a Geico joke this cast, <laughs> Never mind. O- overplayed. <laughs> Keep going. So uh, so we
1: get some information from him. We're we're given some advice by him. I don't actually remember what it was, but like, hey, if you go to this and this place, tell him the Blackbird sent you. A little Blackbird told me that you had rooms for cheap or something. I don't
0: remember. Guns for hands. I yeah.
1: Like- um, after that, we went and we uh, bought a house. <laughs> and that took up the majority of the rest of the adventure.
0: For those of you who've seen the, the film, we bought a zoo. It was the exact same plot, B for B. <laughs> uh, so
1: we we uh, we did some bartering there, mostly handled by my wife's character.
0: With but there was also another character who did some bartering. <laughs> And we'll get to that. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, we had a great encounter where beforehand I asked, the, I asked the DM, I asked Greg, I said, hey, Greg, I have this cantrip called message, which I've used lots. And for those of you who don't know, it just lets me speak a message into somebody's mind directly and they can respond to me. And uh, I said,
0: could I maybe deceive somebody into thinking it was their own thoughts Yeah, so the idea is that Fear is going to Inception the crap out of this house salesman. Now, we should know.
1: We already know the house market in this town is super sketchy.
0: That's the Inception sequel I want. The one where Leonardo DiCaprio breaks into his realtor's mind. Talking about interesting narratives.
1: Yeah. Well, so we know that the, the housing market is sketchy because the empire is basically reconstructing the whole town to fit their perfect model, of which is a, a perfectly square city with very specific style buildings and very good infrastructure. And what they've been doing is they've been possessing the land of people and kicking them out. And if it's somebody like a tiefling, they don't get paid for it, and they just get kicked out of their home and can't buy a new one.
0: This is the kind of short-sighted attitude that empires thrive upon. It really <laughs> because is. Because you know, should this empire fall? going to be like 50 60 cities that are halfway renovated yeah (laughs) i mean this is exactly
1: what rome did right no it really is and he he's done a lot to base it off of rome so it's really interesting um and uh so we and then people who can't make their payments on their houses we know get sent to work camps where they only survive for like a week
0: it's pretty brutal. But we've decided to get a house anyway. It doesn't seem that sustainable. Yeah, we've decided to get a house That would be my anyway. biggest criticism of the adventure <laughs> is that the, the constant housing foreclosure death market doesn't seem tenable to me. <laughs> but anyway, we bought a house, Zoo. Yeah, we bought a house,
1: Zoo. Um, and he, sa- he says to me that I am allowed to try and implant thoughts in this guy's head. I just have to make deception checks to do it. And so the first thing I do... When uh, my wife's character walks up, I'm trying—my goal, by the way, here is to make it so that we get the best deal on the house possible. And so I know how guys work, and I know how uh, women typically get better deals from guys just because they're women and they're guys, and that's how it works. And so I I try to plant in this guy's head—I plant the thought, she's kind of cute—
0: under this whole pretense of men and women can't be friends because it'll eventually right. just devolve into an orgy. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say that. Um, but anyway, I plant that and Greg lets me know the guy's immediate thought because I only rolled a four. And he just says, oh, I'm not in not into redheads though. <laughs> and like that's is her character,
0: it, redheaded? Yeah. I love this because we all sent pictures of our character into the group chat last night. And I can't remember what anybody looks like. <laughs> ah! Oh, except for Tekken. Or not Tekken. That's what he is in the group chat. Menyon, uh, who looks like freaking Jason Momoa. <laughs> yep, which is fantastic. Uh,
1: and so it, when all of a sudden done, she gets this massive, like, book that, to sign for the contract for our house. But uh, we, got a,
0: we got a house. The other thing that happened at this time is that my bar did not want to have any part nor portion in buying a house. And so outside of the house there, or the housing realtor place, it was kind of this garish display of advertisements and of of people hawking and selling their goods and selling homes, right? And I had my bard just go up to the guy who was essentially the sign twirler and say, like, hey, I was sent here on orders of of your boss, um, who in this case was the governor directly. We weren't that aware of the inner workings of the city's infrastructure, so that's who I had to use. And I said, hey, I'm here to reprieve you governor's orders. Like, it's about your wife. And he was like, "Is is she having the... Is it the time? Are the children over it? And I'm like, it's time. You've waited for this moment all your life. Like, I was like, and this Greg played it really well, which makes me so excited for him to, to see how he looks when his wife goes into labor. I know, because his wife, she's doing June. And so
1: I, I, that's actually how I picture Greg doing this now. He's like, the half sentence is not actually
0: finishing anything. <laughs> she, are they, is everybody? Yep. And I was basically like, yep. And Greg described it so well. He's like, almost comically, this guy rips off like his brightly colored vest and throws his accoutrement into the air. And my character immediately, I'm like, they don't even come close to touching the ground before they're on my character. And my character just starts hawking houses and selling houses and just essentially like making a satirical commentary on the way the houses are sold um, and in the way that contracts work, particularly the incredibly thick contracts that we received
1: which my wife's character pretended she couldn't read so all she had to do was give a fake name which she did and uh, sign her x on the lines um so that if we ever default on payments we can just get out of dodge
0: right the other thing that's really cool about this is my as a result my character wasn't really paying attention where we moved (laughs) and at the same time uh our fighter decided he was going to go shopping right so he also skipped town so after this whole sequence is done Everybody goes ahead and goes home, to the new house. Goes to the new house, except for me. I stay there waiting for the guy to come back, because while it seems like a pretty wild, chaotic thing to do, just to steal this dude's job, uh, he, excellence does it for fun. But midway through, he justifies it to the degree of like, "Oh, here's how this could be a good idea." And in his thought, he's like, "Okay, well, I just gave this guy a two-hour paid break, essentially." Right. right. Like he'll come back and he might be angry that I, I took his job, but he's going to get paid for the work I just did. So he can't be mad for long, right? Right. And so um, that's how, how excellence kind of functions. And so I waited and waited. The guy never come back. came back. My assumption is that his wife had the baby. Right. Because <laughs> that just seems like the kind of narrative framing Greg would put that in. Um, but eventually Menyon showed up. <laughs> And we went out for a night on the town. You guys went carousing. (laughs) So much carousal. And Greg handled this really well. Do you want to talk a little bit mechanically about how Greg handled carousal? Didn't he just have you guys roll d20s? And uh, there was kind of a spectrum of... It was a wisdom saving throw. It was a wisdom saving throw. And then he created a spectrum basically a point system uh, with negative 2, negative 1, plus 1, and plus 2. Just broken up in every 5 chunk on the d20. Designed to... Let you know how you how things went, like how much trouble you get into, and what if that trouble is like ultimately good or ultimately bad, right? Right. So, for example, like our fighter, uh, Menyon, gets into a bit of a, a scuffle at the local bar because he throws a guy into the barkeep. <laughs> um, drunk Menyon does this, right? Um, and and here's kind of the gold standard moment: however much excellence drank, Menyon drank twice as much, <laughs> and so you know we kind of did this thing, but. Then I, I had a plus one on mine. So it was minus one versus plus one. So the rule that Greg said is, okay, well, you have to cancel it out. <laughs> and so I had my character make some boisterous claim, like, you thought that throw was impressive? Like, let's see how far he can throw me. Like, make some bets, right? I roll a two on my agility check to land. Um, and the way I describe it is, like I land with like a sickening thud, and everybody's like, oh. Huh. And then Excellence just leaps up and, like, is like, yeah, and everybody's, like, cheering, uh, which is, I I imagine how that situation would play out. (laughs) That's definitely how it would in, like, a a Pulp Fiction novel or in some cheap Hollywood productions, right? Uh, Very good. So, ultimately, we roll back in, and and that was the adventure, I think. That was. That was was. the bulk of it. Which, uh, if you listen to that, that doesn't sound like an adventure. No. But we all had a great time. Right. It's always a good time.
1: So... With that said, I think it's time for our fan
0: corner. That's not fan a great name. horrible name. That's not a great name nope, for
1: it's it. it's not good. Let's see, we, we've got the uh, the character corner, the bard corner, the beggar's corner. I want this to be a fan corner somehow, but I don't know how to make it a fan corner.
0: <laughs> That's so gross.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. We could workshop this for just a second. Um,
0: okay, what have we got? Uh... The question corner. I'm trying to think. You know how, like, when you buy season tickets for college football, it's always like as part of a club, right?
1: I did not know that, but I don't really pay attention. Almost to Almost always. Football, so. so,
0: like, like if if you were to do it at BYU, you'd be the Cougar Club. I think at Utah, they're called the like the Running Utes or something. Uh, usually, it's like often by buying season tickets, you're included in some kind of fan club, right? Hmm. Um, so we could do something like that, like <laughs> Scarns Angels. <laughs> Scarring's <laughs> Angels. <laughs> um, what else do we have? We need another magical university. Also, nobody went shopping at Noah's Arcane this adventure, and I'm ticked about it.
1: No, they didn't. But Greg hasn't listened to the episode yet because it oh, only yeah. got posted last night. True.
0: Um,. We'll workshop that. We will we'll workshop, workshop that. that. But let's hit our fan question that we do have. Our fan question. So our fan our question. Our real fan question that we do have. Yes.
1: Let me go ahead and pull that up. Give me just a moment here. So our fan question. <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> the, the Bill Cosby transition? Uh,
1: that would have been so. Don't compare me to Bill Cosby right now. would have been now. so in vogue. Maybe if it was five years ago that you well, compared me to say, Bill Cosby. That would have been
0: so in vogue 30 years ago. Oh. <laughs>
1: Okay, let's don't rape people, kids. (laughs) So this is from um, this. This is a fan question from somebody who's asked before on the show from our two century mutant ninja turtle. Let's see. They say, what are some good ways to use combat scenarios to enhance the plot? And this is in context of the fact that when you're role playing, typically the plot is progressed through role play, and when you're doing combat, it's typically focused on not dying and gaining experience points. Right. So again, the question is, what are some good ways to use combat scenarios to enhance the plot? What are your thoughts on that, Logan?
0: Um, Well, I play a lot of video games. Okay. And so I can give you a lot of bad examples. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, Those of you who maybe are a little more uh, acclimated with the 2010-2011 video game Activision Toys to Life gaming scene... Might be familiar with these words. Chompy. Fire chompy. Bone chompy. Are you making a Skylanders reference? Chompy mage. (laughs) Are you making a Skylanders reference? (laughs) Yes, because half of the narrative combat progression in that was being locked in an arena. Now, Skylanders, particularly the original couple of games, are very, very good because they are almost Diablo-like in their Loot Festival. Yes, that is actually Um, a really good comparison. Yeah, I know. It's like Diablo for kids. I freaking loved the original Skylanders. It was so fun. Hey, Activision, if you're listening to this, Bobby Kotick, I hear you out there in the airwaves. If you're listening to this, I have one request. Just one. Please stop ruining entire genres of games with annual releases. Please stop. You killed Guitar Hero and rhythm gaming in that sense. And you've now killed toys to life. So help me please stop. <laughs> End the
1: madness. <laughs> yeah, we, we would actually like some of these genres to stick around and become fantastic
0: genres. This is not that cast, but did you hear Activision and Bungie split?
1: No, but that doesn't mean anything to me because I'm not in the scene that much. Like Bungie you
0: developed Halo. Oh, okay. And then they split with from Microsoft, who was their publisher for Halo. Sure. And they lost Halo. Uh, Microsoft still owns Halo. I think it's 343 who's developing the halo follow-ups okay um and then the uh activision picked up as their publisher because you need money you can't sure. just fund a game sure sure and they sponsored another project that you're on un- you're more likely more familiar with well, maybe not more familiar than halo but destiny oh is okay Bungie's most recent outing Bungie just split from activision but is keeping destiny oh interesting so, it'll be really interesting to see because what will happen is inevitably Destiny will be taken off of an annual release schedule. It'll be coming out at the pace of the developers, and it's just going to be really interesting. To, anyway, that's not that. This yeah. is not that cast. No, interesting. But, um, uh, what were you going to say, though, about uh, Skylanders? The problem with, even though it's a, an incredibly fun Diablo Loot Fest and it fills that niche, mm-hmm. the problem that you're going to have with a game like that is that there's no. Na- the narrative in Skylanders stinks. With the exception of that one time George Takei was a giant drilling robot with a song. That was George Takei? (laughs) Yeah, what does he say? Like, uh, I'll climb to the top and the drilling won't stop till the city of Arcus is found. Yeah, that was George Takei singing that.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. They got some, like, really weird voice acting in there. It's literally the Comic-Con roster of voice
0: acting. Like, they got, like,
1: Patrick Warburton as, like, a pretty,
0: like... It's really like character. if you were to go to like not San Diego or New York, but like any other Comic Con, it's like the panel. <laughs> that's who's the voice actors and stuff. That's amazing. It's, I love it. It's that. next level good. Um, but anyway, what's really interesting is is that. But the problem is because the narrative sucks, and it doesn't have to be good, right? No. It's a, like I said, it's a loot fest. You have these arenas where literally it's like okay, let's progress from arena to arena to arena. And I think that's what uh, our reader here is. Or, <sighs> Ten points for Whiffendor, boys and girls. For Whiffendor, <laughs> yeah, swinging a miss on that one. Our our listener here, who's written in, is suggesting he's suggesting that you know you don't want to make it feel like you're going from arena to arena, gathering loot or experience with right? some ancillary role playing and right. progress in there. And I realized that just repeating all the different types of chompy. Another side note: Chompy Mage literally shoots chompies from his fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> the incredibly horrifying design of this character <laughs> is my absolute favorite. That's great. Like, that's great. Any, any enemy that shoots smaller enemies from their hands is just good. That's funny. Um, but anyway, I think that's kind of what we want to avoid. Right. right? So how do you make that happen? Yeah, so... Hmm.
1: There's actually a specific video game that just popped into my head. Um, but it's very common in a lot of video games with boss battles that if th- it's very narrative-driven as a story. One of the things they'll do is the boss battle throughout the fight will essentially scream certain lines at the they character. They monologue, sure. They monologue uh, during film the does fight. the same
0: thing. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really kind of fun that way if you're making um, plot happen through the boss battle, as it were, through the important sure. figure that you're fighting. But that's not necessarily... Great to do every time because it becomes very cliched, very quickly. <laughs> sure. Um, what I would do, maybe on the other hand, is if you can put, if you can put things that the players have to do as an additional objective in the combat, you'll get progress moving forward. Uh, we're going to use the term MacGuffin here. Uh, so they've got the magic Oh, yeah, MacGuffin. Sure. I love
0: McMuffins.
1: You're right. No, we already had an episode called Little Miss McGuffin. You know what a MacGuffin is.
0: <laughs> so you're saying that it's too late for me to pretend that I don't know what a McGuffin is for comedy's sake. Yes. Yes, no comedy on this show, ever. That that ship has sailed.
1: Yes. Uh, No, but the MacGuffin... Off into
0: the MacGuffin sunset.
1: uh, The MacGuffin has recently become in superhero films. Uh, In the third act, uh, massive CGI fight, it's the sky beam in all of those.
0: <laughs> what it's so true? <laughs>
1: like I don't know why that's a thing. That I could probably list a dozen superhero movies that in the third act it's a massive CGI fight where they have to stop the MacGuffin, which happens to be a sky beam. Uh, you've got <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man two. You have the Avengers. You have Justice League. You've got I, I could go on right, and I don't know why it's a thing, because um, it's a bad trope. Sure, sure. But you have the sky beam that they have to stop. And if you can make that a part of the combat that if they don't stop it by X amount of time, things are going to keep getting worse, then you've worked plot and combat in there really right. well.
0: The other thing I think you can do, and uh, again, man, this is so not this cast, but I played Pokemon Let's Go. Okay, sure. Um, and in, in, it's, it's a remake of Yellow, right? And in Yellow, one of the things that happens is you encounter a Snorlax, which is a giant fat Pokemon for those of you who aren't clued into this that's sleeping on the road. And you can't get past it right. until you, need, you
1: find a way to wake it up, You need right? to
0: play a poke flute. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, and that'll wake it up, right? Okay. Um, and then you have to battle it. Okay. Right For like, just because it's there. And you gotta battle it and catch it. That's the way. Sure. But, but Let's Go, the remake, establishes a narrative reason. And that's, <laughs> that, I mean, it's not awesome, but when the Snorlax wakes up, it mistakes you for food. That's amazing. As attacks. And so you have to defend yourself. And to make it even more of a narrative framing, they give you a five-minute timer before Snorlax gets bored of the fight and goes up into the mountains.
1: At which point, presumably, you'll, you'll never see it again.
0: Right. Well, I think they regenerate like every 24 hours, but it's no big deal. Um, okay. So th- the idea is... There you have immediately two goals. One is to defend yourself, air quotes. Like mm-hmm. right, Snorlax ain't gonna kill you, right? Um, one is to defend yourself with your with a Pokemon battle. Right. And then ideally you wanna also catch the Snorlax, right? Okay. But it's framed in this narrative construct that makes it way more compelling than it ever was in the original run of those games.
1: Okay. That's that's kinda cool. Another thing that I like to do is Yeah, you can put the narrative context around it like that. Create factions that the party has to go against, that they kind of have to pick a side or that they can pit sides against each other. Uh, you actually did this uh, one time when we stayed up super late playing D&D with just <laughs> you, and me, you and Greg. That was the best night. It was great, it was super I, fun.
0: We were like running around 2 a.m. in shopping carts and like I woke up in a drain pipe, it was wild.
1: <laughs> what, uh, what happened though is there were these kobolds who had been keeping the dragon as a pet and you, the dragon didn't have great relationships with the kobolds. We discussed this
0: last time. Not a dragon.
1: It was a wormling. It was Remember a dragon.
0: Remember the, the Yu-Gi-Oh example I gave? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Dragon hatchlings not a sick dragon. Um, anyway, what happened is you guys, instead of fighting this dragon yourself, you let it back to the kobolds' lair. And the kobolds, you basically killed off the entire kobold civilization. <laughs> yeah, it was problematic, to say the absolute least. But the dragon also mostly got taken care of by the cobalts. And so it created this interesting narrative moment where right. that was what had happened. What else would you do to...
0: I don't know. As far as, again, you talked about making some kind of a an imperative. right? Right. We've talked about narrative framing. We've talked about really kind of using those kinds of environmental things to make combat run a little bit more smoothly i would say the the last one is to make it so that not every and again this is a risky move but i shouldn't say again this is a risky move I've not listed any risky moves except for unless wait were we recording when i talked about eating 85 pizza rolls in one sitting not today <laughs> you look so confused one of these days i'm gonna make a goof and you're just gonna run with it <laughs> it's gonna be so good <laughs> You're just gonna say something like, yeah, but I'll edit it out. <laughs> um <laughs> Is that what you were hoping I would do? Well something like that, not pretend anyway. Anyway.
1: Uh, no, and the other thing we mentioned is that the bad guy can monologue while he's
0: fighting. Right. Um anyway, I think all of those things are pretty good breakdowns of how you can make fights have more narrative tension. But what I was gonna say is I think the final note I'd wanna end on here is that one good way to do it is to make it so that not every fight is winnable. Mm. And that's kind of a dangerous game, right? But for example, a dragon that tells riddles, we talked about that last time. I, Sorry, it's weighing on my chest. I've got to amend my baby dragons aren't dragons because Spyro's a dragon and a half. Anyway, mm. um, those riddles and those puzzles, as opposed to straight-out combat, can be more narratively interesting because what you have to do is you want your players to avoid a fight. right Right. and that's a way to use air quotes combat as a a good pacing design rather than just an exp and item grab fest gotcha yeah no
1: i totally agree well we'd like to thank you all for listening here on the show
0: Just some visitor. Wait, did I already do the Raven goof? You did. Have we knocked on something before? I think so. Um, because I. However, like that's is me as the, the
1: DM giving you the cue that you need to. This isn't answer the first the time there's
0: been a rapping, tapping at my chamber door. No, it's not. I. That's my cue as the don't DM. when understand. You need to answer the door. People are always trying to visit me when it gets late. It's like what nine thirty here right now, and I'm just trying to pour over many a quaint and curious volume of long forgotten lore. What's wrong with you people?
1: You gonna get the door?
0: Nevermore. <laughs> okay, I'm at Who's there?
1: You peek outside of the door, and you see 85 pizza rolls. <laughs> and you realize <laughs> it's, it's so time difficult. to roll initiative. No, 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 no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I cannot. Stop.
0: This cannot <laughs> stand. That is so gross. Don't get me wrong, I've hit a lot of pizza rolls in my day.
1: Now, to be fair, I want to show you in my mind's eye how this is. You got the door, and peeking out over the door, you've got all these little pizza rolls that are like crawling over on top of each other. They've got
0: like. No, that's so bad. I was thinking, like. That episode of Spongebob with Doodlebob? Oh, sure, sure. They've got like arms and legs, like anthropomorphic pizza rolls. I was
1: thinking more like uh, the Cinnamon Toast Crunch uh, mascots. (laughs) But it's pizza rolls and they're all like crawling over each other. I just
0: thought of pizza rolls and milk. Let's end the show. Let's just kill
1: it. It's time to roll initiative. I don't care. And you realize it's time Time to to roll initiative.